You're listening to The Bombad Generals. General? Oh. Hello and welcome to The Bombad Generals. It's Seth, and I'm here with the amazing, awesome, wonderful Matt. Matt, wow. how are you? I think you're wow. also amazing, awesome, wow. and wonderful, Seth. That's you just said a that lot of positivity. Is this because of Valentine's Day or no? It's 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 okay. a Monday. Like we're recording this on a Monday, and I, I love Mondays. You know, interesting Positive. take. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, you learn something new every day. Uh, you know who else loves Mondays? Todd. Dude. Todd loves Mondays. He was he catching up on Book of Boba Fett earlier. Really digging mm-hmm. that, and he was actually he was on his way over to my place to record, and. Uh, the problem is his bright, shiny speeder bike is just too slow. So he might make it by the end of the episode. We'll see. He's given we'll it see. all he's got. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So does that confirm that Todd is Canadian? Uh, he could live on Point Roberts. I haven't Maybe. asked him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we got a pretty cool episode. Uh, but before we dive into what we got planned today, we actually we got a question uh, from. I apologize if I butcher your last name, but we got a question from Matthew Gurgley, um, and he wanted to know. Uh, I'm just going to read his question. He said, mm-hmm. "As an avid CIS player, I had a question I would like to ask Bombad General Sponder: If dark troopers emerge as a threat in a post-Blizzard world." Yeah. Do you think yeah. if if they are going to yes, yeah. do you think the separatist players will return to an old friend to help them counter the these menace the Ion Spider? You know he thinks Ion Spiders in the post Blizzard world supported by B ones with E five S's and E sixty R's will be able to get enough damage through to counter Dark Troopers even with the fifteen point increase to the Ion Gun. Um, let's talk about that. Do we think? Ion Spiders will make a comeback. So I have thoughts about this because I have played, I played my Vader Darks into a double Ion Spider list. And as it so happens, I was actually uh, talking with Bobby Joe, uh, Bobby Joe Thomas today about, and the, the, the conversation of Ion Spiders into Dark Troopers came up, uh, which is our last episode. We were talking to him about his, his mall or his Ventress uh, double spider list that he was rocking. So I think the answer is, long and short of it, is that spiders are a tool and a pretty decent tool in the CIS toolkit to counter darks, but they are not the solution. You can't just slap a couple spiders in and say, good, I'm done, right? Because here's the thing. Unlike a regular vehicle, if you ionize a dark trooper, they lose 25% of their actions instead of 50%. Mm -hmm. And that can be meaningful still, but timing is very important. So let's consider the initial engagement. Dark Troopers are probably not move, shoot, move, shoot. They probably have to take a couple moves before they can engage. So move, aim, move, shoot. If you ionize them before they go, then they will- Their first time. The first time, yes. If they ionize them before they've activated at all, then they will just move and then they're cool. And then they'll they again name. move shoot, right? So you're not even really taking that much away from them with the ion. So really you have to ionize them after they've gone once, which is not too difficult for CIS, right? Like they can yeah. uh, 
order they control. have perfect order control usually. And spiders, they've got impact two, they've got ion, they've got precise two with lots of aims usually, so they can really fish for crits. But, you know, they will fold eventually, right? And I think they need some, some B1 backup support to really make it happen. And they're, they're still good, I think, in other matchups. Like, six dice pass cover is very good. They kind of, they went away because pikes existed, right? And, yeah. and then Blizzard came in, obviously. Like, I still think spiders are maybe a tough call in a Blizzard world because speeder bikes can burn them down very fast. But since we're talking post-Blizzard, I think spiders can work, but you need, you know, magna rockets or droid rockets, you know, some extra stuff there. Because, as we were saying, I think double dark troopers is the sweet spot. And I don't think ion spiders can do enough on their own before the dark troopers engage. Because yeah. the trick is, once they make you start rolling saves, dark troopers love hitting white saves. Because they don't have pierce, they just have volume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Joe's... Uh, 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 Bobby Joe's feedback today was... Uh, spiders aren't the answer. So he's take that from a, a, a person who's been playing CIS and he he thinks that spiders uh, don't do enough. So he's 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 kind of looking elsewhere. So I'd say kind of in between us. Like, I think they were very effective in the game I played against them. Uh, but I also started 0 for 7 on, on Dark Trooper saves. Uh, and then you know he's feeling like they're they're not good enough. I think they're somewhere in the middle. Again, they're one yeah. piece in the toolkit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, they're not the answer. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if there is a answer yeah. yet to dark troopers <laughs> like spiders. You can kind of fit them into a list. You don't really have to build your whole list around the spiders, which is very helpful for CIS. I would consider that even if they're super like backed up with B ones and everything. Uh, it, I would kind of like it'd be like a hybrid list to where like if you're running like a saber tank like you're you could be really strong against dark troopers but like you may fall short to like another list so it's like kind of mm-hmm. like a rock paper scissors where like your spiders especially like with the force user with maul or assage those are kind of like a hybrid where like it can handle dark troopers not mm-hmm. like the answer but it's it's a better matchup than what you would do without spiders, um, but it can also handle non dark trooper lists mm-hmm. decently. Um, so I'd probably like put it as kind of like a hybrid. I think one of the things for CIS is that Maul and Asajj are both very finicky force users, and yeah. if dark troopers get a shot off on them, that could be the end of them. Right? Like they're not mm-hmm. big tanky; they're finesse force users, and you kind of have to brute force dark troopers. I think if you are a CIS main and you're trying to play against Star Troopers, I think you do, as much as it's just a part of the list, I think you kind of need spiders because I can't really envision a, a CIS list that deals well with Dark Troopers that doesn't have spiders, unless it's like a yeah. double AAT. The reason we kind of bring up these tanks as good Dark Trooper uh, counters or potential Dark Trooper counters for me is because dark troopers are actually pretty bad into actual armor because mm-hmm. they they only have impact on their range two cycle gun they've got crit one right like it's not awful but it's not what they want to be shooting at 
especially yeah. if it has red defense dice and repairs. And, you know, in the case of a Saber tank, red surging defense dice with dodge access. So they, they can't kill things super fast if it's full armor. And obviously, like, a tank with um, armor-piercing shells is going to get a lot of hits through. So that's kind of why they they fit as good counters. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe there's something in, in a, a double AAT resurgence, but I think otherwise you're probably fitting in spiders as as part of a, a greater army. Uh, but now onto the 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 meat of the episode. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we, man, you've heard us talk a ton about force users. I, I don't think it's any secret that both Matt and I love force users. And it's really hard to leave the table without force users. Uh, but today we actually want to highlight something really uh, different is like we want to highlight a gun line list. So gun line 101. Yes, agreed. Like yes. I think <laughs> will for me, a lot of my thinking is when I run a gun line, I have a force user, but we will talk yeah. a bit about what a non-force user gun line looks like and the differences. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is exciting. I think gun lines can get a bad rap, kind of like, oh, you just want to stand and shoot there. You want to play VAPs and not play the game. Do, 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 do. Um, and I think that's not entirely warranted. Like, I think gun lines are very interesting to play or they can be very interesting uh, because it's a game about careful positioning and really leveraging the advantages you get but before I get too far down that road Seth this was your idea where do you want to start talking about gun lines 101 like what's how do we how do we enter this conversation so first thing first I think we just need to define what a gun line is yeah you know that's a good point um so one thing that defines a gun line is it doesn't have bikes. It's not a super mobile like uh, army. It's more of a there's it's a really your core or your like your core units are the core of the army to where like your cores have heavies on them. Uh, they're beefed up to where like every dice pool is like a good dice pool, in mm-hmm. my opinion, um, as clones and maybe like could be a little bit different like because you have like maybe one unit that's supporting a like a naked phase one <laughs> oh, supporting yeah. and you can yeah. have you can have supports for a, yeah. a gun line for sure but i think for me yeah. it's like you know you've got four or five decked out core units who have mm-hmm. good durability and good offense you're kind of like hey this is a good efficient unit i'm gonna take it times five and add in a little bit of other stuff that'll yeah. and that'll spice yeah. things up for me yeah and most of your gun line list is like taking one specific unit and just multiplying it mm-hmm. for four times or so you could swap out some heavies like but like at least four of your units have like the same heavy in my usually. opinion uh, usually usually yeah. gun lines also operate range three is pretty much the the standard operating like there's not a lot of stuff maybe a, a classic shoreline is kind of a range four gun line because it can do damage at range four but they still want to close to range three if we're talking range two like fleets or black suns like i'd say that's more aggro than gun line usually if we're talking gun line you have some poke at range four and you're really firing on all cylinders at range three yeah yeah so that's so that's definition of a gun line um of course in your gun line we do recommend that you put a linebacker unit or like a whether that be like a magna um i probably wouldn't put any wookies in there Don't yeah put a so, so why do you want to why do you want a linebacker unit in your gun line 
Well, you, you well, one force user, <laughs> because once a force user gets into your gun line, like your gun line can't shoot. And once your gun line operates in a range capacity, it's not really str- like your core units are really strong in melee. And when a Jedi, like a good Jedi player would just dive into your core units and just take out your core units left, left and right and just distract them. So the rest of the aren't your opponent's army can just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially, the why- oh, especially a Sith, I would say. Like, yes. they're going to get in there, they're going to chop people up, force choke your heavies, mm-hmm. and just cause a lot of disruption. So you need a deterrent so that they can't yeah. just have a field day. Yes. And so whether that deterrent be a, a Magna Guards, another force user, um, it's... Would you? I wouldn't even say like a fleet trooper. Like that's not no. a deterrent. This is more of a melee strong, typically immune to pierce in melee unit. Because um, Vader doesn't want to see that. Maul doesn't want to see that. Any like Luke op Luke doesn't want to see that. Especially with all the deflect change, they're going to be even more careful because your linebacker unit can hit hit your for, the opponent's force user strong. So good gun lines do have a. a a linebacker unit whether yeah. that's another force user and i think they not. operate in different ways too right like if mm-hmm. if your linebacker unit is like let's say you know anakin yeah he's an okay duelist but usually jedi don't want to be fighting jedi all that much like it's not the yeah. most effective way if you have a force user your deterrent is hey if you dive me i'm going to force push you into the open and shoot you with all my guns if you're yeah. you've got like two magna guards, your deterrent is sure you can dive and attack my B ones, but then I'm going to counter charge you with, um, you know, eight dice or or whatever magnas throw in melee, right? Like I'm going to just yeah. come at you hard, and it's going to be a slog to kill all of these magna guards because they're immune pierce and such. Um, and I think you you do need that kind of volume. Like I think. A single Magna Guard or a single Wookiee, probably not enough. Like, I've seen people be like, oh, I've got a Rebel gunline, and Chewbacca with tenacity is my melee linebacker. And it's like, eh, it's not enough. It's not nearly enough. Because remember, the thing about Force users is they can choose who to engage as well. If you've mm-hmm. got, like, one guy who throws four or five dice as your anti-Jedi threat, and that's it, the Jedi will just say, hey, I'm going to just stay away from him. If he comes at me, I'll force push him away, go somewhere else, right? It's hard to do that if you've got, like, two Magna Guards there. So that's something yeah. to consider as well. Yes. So that's that's why you need a, a linebacker. That's why you need a linebacker. So we've, we love that's football kind of, terms. That's, that's the warning. That's the warning. Yes. So we haven't really talked about, like, okay, I've got this gun line. What do I want to do proactively? Like, how am I playing this gun line to get the maximum effect out of it? Well, I think your objective is number one. Some of the things that gun line don't want to do, like they don't want to do bombing run. They don't <laughs> want to do host, host exchange, really. Um, uh, I think they can. They I, like. Depends. I mean, maybe. Depends. Uh, maybe like a Rex, <laughs> Rex gun line. Get that scout two um, for your hostage. Um, but like they they want one of those like they like the more static ones yeah you know, like the mo- vaps kp um intercept mm-hmm. they really like they can do breakthrough if they've got courage too it's not the end of the world but usually they just kind of want to find a good position 
and fire, fire, fire. Um, yeah. The good thing about the gun lines, you know, they they survive on. Hey, I'm going to out efficiency you and out attrition you. So something like KP, where you're not scoring until the end of the game, and you can just line up and fire for the first three, yeah. four, five. Boom! Oh, excuse me. Uh, the first three, four, five turns. That's really nice. You know, it intercept the transmissions. You know, even though you score on turns two and four, you can sit there and just shoot them while your opponent tries to score or you move to scoring position and that's where you're you're setting up camp um mm-hmm. so really it's just mostly bombing run is is the big one payload they don't really like because they have to be moving yeah. along with it as again breakthrough they don't really like um if you can aim shoot that's what you want to do with your gun line ideally yeah. absolutely and a big thing is that your gun line is kind of sticking together a lot. Mm-hmm. Not like a clone ball way, but like they are generically within range two of each other, like the whole oh. army kind of. Yeah. Um, and so just because like one of the things that's really strong about gun lines that I like is that whenever a unit comes into range of one of your units to fire, they're going to be punished by all the other cores. And so it's like three to four units firing mm-hmm. back at that one unit. So it's like it really it really punishes your opponent who comes into range of one of your units. So, yes, this actually. So you've you've hit the the, the main thing <laughs> for <it>. me <laughs> uh, that I put down in my notes when we decided we were going to talk about this. For me, top level gunline play is all about range control, right? So it's about how do you leverage your range advantage if you have one and make sure that you are firing effective shots at range three and getting more effective shots than your opponent. So as you say, ideally what you want is, hey, if they shoot one guy, my entire army shoots back at at that guy. Yeah. So usually what you have to do is for me, let's say you've got five pikes, five whatever. We'll, we'll say you've got five gunline units, core. And I would say you want to start activating the ones in the back first and moving them up when you're, when you're moving and starting engagements. Because if you take the guy who's your very front uh, pike or, or whatever, and you move him forward speed two to shoot something at range three, then none of your other guys can move up far enough. You don't want to put yourself in a position where your opponent can attack a unit you have and it's out of a move shoot range from your guys, right? Yeah, without without getting punished. Exactly. You want it to say, hey, if I start with the guy in the back, maybe I can't get a range three shot. Maybe I'll move up early in the turn, just do a plink range four shot, maybe do a wound, put a suppression on, whatever. But if you come and attack my most forward guy, I know that I can come hit you at range mm-hmm. three, right? Yeah. So that's always the thing. You want to make sure that if they can attack your most forward guy, you can hit them back at range three. And if the and the other thing um, that kind of deals with that is is cycling units. So that's kind of like cycling units from front to back. Because a mm-hmm. lot of gunline play, you want to be preserving activations. You don't want to be falling behind on on acts. That's just general legion, but I think gunlines especially are good at this. Is you know you obviously, as we said, you want to aim shoot as much as you can. But if you've got a unit with two guys left, you want to 
attack and get out of there or just get out of there or just get out of there right and the other thing is you don't want to necessarily attack with a unit uh and then be sitting at range three of their entire army because then they're all going to aim shoot at you all turn right if it's your first activation of the turn and you aim attack then you know three four of their guys are going to shoot back with an aim at you Mm-hmm. So if you're going first, even if it's a full unit, you could attack, move back, and then they have to come forwards. And then, you know, you attack, move back, and you're kind of pulling them in. And then the guys in the back move up and attack. So you're kind of basically yep. just turning units uh, forwards and backwards to control that range and make them a little uh, less efficient. Make them play your game and come out to, to maybe a spot that has a bit less cover uh, or something like that because they're trying to get range and they have to sacrifice cover to do that. That's not as big a deal these days. Cover's pretty easy to come by. Yeah. Um, but conceptually, that's the idea with cycling units. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a whole machine working together, just going back and forth. And it happens, like, and it's a very effective machine, especially, mm-hmm. like, with a red red dice saves. Like, man, it, it can get really good with, like, uh, Empire... But even like pikes, pikes are really good at that. Mm-hmm. I would feel like um, courage. And so, like courage two gun lines are, are very good, right? Like very good. There's a reason that when Rebel DLT captains were a thing, they didn't have courage two, but they had one turn where they could guarantee two actions. That's great for objective yeah. play. That's good for preserving your activation if you have to run. Pikes are very good at it because they can shoot and move if they have to, and when they don't have to. They still have two actions more than a, a single trooper unit. Um, yeah. So they can aim shoot. Because again, if we're talking range control, one of the ways you can range control is, hey, I'm going to move up and shoot this guy at range four. But if he's courage one, now he's got a suppression. Most likely he's not going to be able to move back and attack me. So I'm feeling pretty good, right? So the more yeah. courage you have, the harder it is for opponents to do that sort of thing to you. Exactly. Yeah. And I know playing in real life, like TTS, it's super easy just to bring, like get into that exact, like the, the range three and just do a lot of pre-measurements. But like in real life, it takes a lot of work to actually do that with (laughs) each different unit. And so one thing about gun lines and in real life play, especially for a tournament, like you got to make sure that you are, you have that range three stick and you're measuring it every single time. Measure constantly. Yeah. Always measuring, uh, which you could be like, Oh yeah, that's range three. Totally. Like I like all like bring it down. Like even if it is like (laughs) range three, three, you want to make sure like if you're going into a force user, you want to make sure like you're way out of range for even that force user to engage with you and everything. (laughs) So you're always measuring. I would say gun lines, you're measuring more than any other. Yes. Um, other army. You want to be measuring a lot gun lines, especially, and you know, to do, to be effective at that and be efficient, you're going to want to have practice. You're going to want to get reps in because you also don't want to, uh, you want to be a good opponent. You don't want to take up all the time in the game, especially in mm-hmm. a tournament setting. If there's no chess clocks, uh, you want to to be courteous and make sure that you're using as much time as your opponent is using. You're not using more of it. So yeah. don't spend 20, you know, it doesn't take 20 minutes of measuring to figure stuff no. out, but just when they're doing their stuff or when you're thinking, just get used to, hey, Measure, know where, what the ranges you need to check are, be checking them, 
have that idea in your head. We'll continue on with our gunline talk, but first, hear a quick word from our sponsors. Has this ever happened to you? You're walking down the street, and then some guy in shiny armor comes out and says he can bring you in hot, or he can bring you in cold? Hello, I'm Batu of Batu and Batu, personal injury lawyers. And I'll tell you something, that's a death threat. You can sue the pants off Mr. Shiny Pants over there. Has your boss choked you out at work, either in person or over a video call? Sue his leather pants off too. Has a Wookiee ripped your arms out because you're a Trandoshan? That's a hate crime. Sue his fur right off his back with Batu and Batu. Call us today and we'll get you the money you deserve. Remember, just give us some credit because we'll get you all the credits you deserve. Already, so we are back. So we were talking a lot in the first segment about range control with gun lines. So there's actually a very specific tactic that, you know, if you've been around Legion for a while, you're, you've you probably seen this happen. Uh, but if you're kind of just starting out, it's not something you, you might see until you get to competitive play. And that is uh, exact range. So when your opponent will say, I move to exactly range three, for example, or exactly range four. Seth, why would your opponent be declaring that? Why is that important? Yeah, so exactly range. So each range stick is each range is six inches uh, and a move uh, a speed two move, which is the generic default move, plus a miniature base is like five point nine inches. So if you move into exactly range three, that means your opponent can like, let's say exactly range three and it's a it's a range two unit. Um, that means that unit cannot move up and shoot with their range two weapons. Uh, (laughs) that's why you always, always want to clarify that you're communicating exactly (laughs) range, uh, and not just like completely rely on the measurement because like it's very, very close. It's very close. Minis get bumped. Tables get bumped. Mm -hmm. It happens. That's why you always want to declare your intentions of exactly range because that's huge. Because if that doesn't work, if you don't declare it and like something gets bumped and they move and they measure it and they move and shoot, like there's nothing you can do. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, Always declare your attention. But that's the big thing about like getting exact is so that your opponent cannot come move up and shoot you Mm -hmm. back at range. This helps a lot for like, I feel like a DLT DLT uh, rebel DLT units mm-hmm. because they have that range four poke that strong range four poke uh, to where they get into exactly range four and they poke and then like a unit cannot come up and move within range three because if you have a range three gun line versus range four unit like you can't like you can't you're you're protected against that mm-hmm. so that's really helpful that's also really helpful whenever like a force user is coming in so yeah. like getting within like exactly range three that means that your force the force user cannot like move move force push and like you know attack you yeah yeah exactly similar range if you need to get to exactly range mm-hmm. two of a force user they can't double move and use charge to lightsaber swing at you right so yes yes it comes up and in a lot it, of spots yeah. It forces them to use force push if they really want to engage with you, which the only person who the only unit who can like move, move, force push is Maul. So like, just be aware well, of Maul everyone can that. move, move, force push, but he can move, yeah. move, force push and still get and an attack. attack. Right. Correct. So yeah, that's what I mean. And even again, when we talk about measuring all the time, maybe we'll do more of an episode in the future on, on certain um, measurements and, and ranges. But, you know, if you know, hey, a speed to 
move is basically just under speed one, then hey, if Maul needs to move, move force push, uh, it's four inches for a speed one move on force push mm -hmm. on a small base trooper. So I need to be um, not quite range three away, but I need to be 16 inches and range three yep. is 18 inches. So, you know, kind of knowing that stuff and saying, hey, I want to move in and take a really nice range three juicy shot on this Jedi, but I don't want to get too close because sure, I'll get a shot off, but then they're in my lines and it might be game yeah. over. Yeah. So always, again, declare attention and measure the exact range, th range three. Uh, and that's that's one of the big things that gun lines, that's why they're measuring a ton is because <laughs> effective gun lines really get really utilize that exact range uh, for their benefit. And honestly, like force users or melee or close up units, aggro units, they can't do anything about it. Like, it's yes. yeah, that's how it is. You know, it's it's a guaranteed thing. It's like, hey, no matter what happens, just physically, I know what you can and can't do. And that's very powerful. That is it for the top tactical tactic. Next up, we have our key keyword of the week of the episode. Yeah. Uh, and that is a special keyword. Uh, we actually recorded this earlier, talked about it earlier, but it did not make it into the episode. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing it back. And that is the eh, mediocre keyword of contingencies. Matt, talk to us about contingencies. I have many thoughts about contingencies. As you say, <laughs> uh, we recorded this rant earlier on what we thought would be a lighter episode. And then it ended up being a long one and got cut for time. Um, Maybe because half of that was my contingencies rant. I had notes last time, <laughs> and this time I have no notes, but I should be able to just wing it because... Yeah, you got this. One of the things that I see a lot in list building is, hey, I want to take this character and this character, and they both got maybe some competition in the three pip or the two pip. You know what I should do? I should add in callous and now i have contingencies so i don't have to choose between card x and card y here's the problem though <laughs> you still only get to it's play a, a maximum of six command cards in the game barring yeah. weird circumstances so sure um let's say you want to play ig88 and boba a combo i love but you yeah. say, hey, IG has two good two pips, and Boba has a really good two, uh, two pip with making his way in the galaxy. Eh, the flamers, whatever. You're probably leaving that at home. And you're like, I can't decide. You know what? I'll add in Callus. The thing is, sure, now you have all those cards available to you, but you still only get to play two of those two pips. And part of Callus's value is that he brings command cards. And in this specific example, his two pip is probably his best command card. So now mm -hmm. you've just made the problem worse. And for most things in Legion, the marginal value of playing command card X versus command card Y, when they're both good command cards, it's not huge. It's not that yeah. big, right? Like obviously, hey, some situations card X is gonna be better. Some situations card Y is gonna be better. better. But is it worth paying for a whole unit? That is kind of lackluster otherwise, Lando and Callus um, being the two yeah. options. It, just for that marginal benefit, like you really for that want a card that, hey, if the right, si it's, it's very situational, right? Where, hey, mm -hmm. if the right situation comes up, this card wins me the game or, or really swings things in my favor. 
And if it doesn't come up, then this card is pretty useless. And I want to have something else. Maybe... <sighs> so the thing is, most cards in Legion are not like that. Good command cards are good because they're just good in almost every situation. Yep. You know, maybe the closest thing we ever got to it was something like um, I Am a Jedi yep. way back in the day because um, it turns off Luke's attack and he needs to be in you know close to things that he wants to turn off the attack for. And it could be a bit situational back in the day. These days, I think less so because it's more of an aggressive meta. There's more, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot, it's going to proc a lot more. Like almost every game I played with, with Luke back in the day, I was playing uh, I'm a Jedi around this time last year, like every game that I had Luke. Uh, so it's even less situational now, but you know a way that you can avoid having to play I'm a Jedi if you the situation doesn't arise? You can just play standing orders, turn one, Bam. and it's free. You it, it costs you nothing. You probably don't want to burn a command card anyways. Right? You probably yep. just need, hey, whatever, I'll put an order on Luke and I'll go last, and that's what I want. And then, hey, late in the game, I either play I Am a Jedi or I just play something else. And mm -hmm. it, I just have more options, right? So that's a reason why contingencies, again, isn't super valuable. And the machinations that it takes contingencies to work, rewind a bit. So... Another thing is that those sorts of command cards that have huge effects that you really want to like play a very specific effect for because it's going to have yeah. a high impact on the game, those are usually late game situations, right? In the early game, it's pretty rare that swapping this good command card for this good command card is pivotal and going to swing the match. Usually that happens in the late game. If you're in the late game, and you have, let's go back to our Boba IG uh, Callus example. Let's say you've got a machine made for killing. Uh, IG's 2-pip when he gets steady, great card, really good card when it's like, okay, I need to kill something. You put that one in contingencies. Mm -hmm. To be able to play that at the end of the game, you need to first play a 2-pip, which means depending on which 2-pips you had in your hand, you might have to play a Boba card or a Callus card, a legal card that you can swap out, which means whoever's card that is, that character has to be alive. Then Callus yeah. has to be alive to be able to use contingencies. And then IG-88 has to be alive to actually use his card. So there could be a situation where all three of your heroes, if you have to play a Boba card, swap it with Callus's contingencies to get IG-88's card, they all have to be alive in the late game, and if they're all alive in the late game already, things are probably going pretty well for you. Yeah. You know, so like it's just it's not necessary. You know, you know, if you've got like Lando Luke, yeah, probably they'll both be alive in the late game. But it's just it it it's it it's not a guaranteed effect, and things could go wrong, and then you kind of lose that investment. So you know, if you want to bring Lando or or Callus uh, because you think they're a great unit, awesome. Contingencies, icing on the cake. If your problem is I can't choose which command cards to take, that's not when you want to take contingencies. Um, I did mention earlier, you can only ever play six command cards. Kind of Lando gets around this, and this is why I like Lando more than Callus. 
he actually adds something with his contingencies because ace uh-huh. up his sleeve, his two pip, you can play it out of your contingencies to get an order and activate something. So you're yeah. actually gaining something that you wouldn't normally get versus having a little bit more command card flexibility. Um, yeah. So that's an important thing. If it's like, oh, well, contingencies is great because I can put, I can play ace up his sleeve from Lando's card. It's like, yeah, but that's, that's like a good use of contingencies. Like I, if there's more contingencies in the future, I kind of want to see more effects like that where it's like, hey, yeah. there's a super powerful or a, like a normal, normal powered, um, you know, I don't want to be overpowered ability if yeah. you play the card normally. But if you use it in contingencies, maybe there's some sort of secondary effect. Like I think that's really yeah. cool and it adds something as is yeah. if you're not doing that. The actual command card swapping is is pretty meh, pretty mediocre. Yeah, yeah. If you are running uh, contingencies, I would suggest usually put the um, character who has the contingencies, so Lando or Callus, yep. put all of their cards or whichever ones of theirs you're taking, put those in contingencies, because yep. then if they die, you don't or get lose. Flawed. Pardon? Or get flawed. Or get flawed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For 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 Lando's case, you don't want to lose someone else's command cards mm-hmm. in your contingencies, plus that character's command cards in your regular hand. Yes. Now, of course, even though that they, that character could be alive, if your other characters die, you won't have cards to swap out. That kind of goes back to what we said before. Uh, but that's a yeah. good rule of thumb. That's that's my rant on contingencies. I think it's a very <laughs> overrated keyword i think it's fine like if there was a five point upgrade in the game that was like a command Mm -hmm. slot that was like you gain contingencies one it would be like i would maybe i would take it sometimes because then i'm only paying five points for contingencies one if i have a command slot which is actually a very good slot and very competitive these days so like i may or may not pay five points to get contingencies one like don't pay a hundred points just to get no. contingencies one. I think we're not we're not saying don't bring Callus, don't bring Lando. Like they're they're decent, fine B tier, they're fine. Yeah. Um, but like don't bring them because you want contingencies because like, you can't yeah. decide on your command hand. Just yeah, make a yeah. decision. Yeah, figure out and your command hand or get I'm two characters so, yeah. in jail better. Sorry, that's yeah. it. That's enough. Yeah. That's <laughs> my right. I'm so sorry to break. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your rant. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry if I'm going to break anyone's heart, but like Star Wars Legion is not a hero hammer game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's that's not play Shatterpoint. <laughs> like, ooh. Um, ooh. I don't so, want to get off track, but I'm, I'm excited for Shatterpoint. I love playing ooh, heroes. It, it's <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that's. Heroes are great, but I would like it's not Hero Hammer in a Star Wars Legion. And um, when especially when they all have really good command cards competing with each other, it's just not going to be really effective. Find a list that gels well. Again, what Mass said gels well together, um, synergizes well. Um, two characters are are enough. And so and yeah. Then, yeah. And so that's a uh, yeah, that's our uh, key keyword of the day of the of the podcast. Mm hmm. So yeah, there we go. Spicy. I don't know if it qualifies as hot takes, um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. If you uh, disagree and if you with have, 
right into bombadpodcast.gmail.com. Yeah. And Send we'll us all your it. hate mail. Yeah, we'll yeah. ignore it and tell you you're wrong. You're allowed to have wrong opinions. <laughs> yes. And so, and if you do have a wrong opinion, we will, we may or may not like tell you you have a long, wrong opinion on the podcast. Yeah, we might make fun of you, but please. Yeah, exactly. Right in, we need content to talk about. Yes, yeah. for sure. And so, um, well, thankfully, AMG is actually giving us a lot of content lately. So, yeah, yeah. props to AMG for that. So, appreciate Looking that. Looking forward well, hey, to it. Well, yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, so, let's, let's land this. Oh, go for it. Yeah, speaking of content, some things to look out for. Uh, I believe next podcast, we're going to be uh, talking with a certain someone involved with the uh, 2023 AMG World. So, we'll have a little bit of a look ahead there as our uh, special guest podcast. And then the podcast after that. We're actually closing in on the five-year anniversary of Star Wars Legion. It came out March 18th, I want to say. Something like that. Mid to late March 2018. So uh, our podcast coming out about that time, pre-Adepticon, will be kind of a look back at what's happened in five years of Legion. You know, what is my story with how I came into Legion? What's Seth's story with how he came into Legion? How have the metas changed? Like, how did we get from Worlds number one, where it's like, hey, it's all Wonder Twins and Boba slash Palp to Blizzard Force? You know, like, how mm-hmm. how is the how have the metas changed? What's happened in between? Um, what are the landmarks for the game? That sort of stuff. I think I'm really excited for that episode. Uh, so keep be an eye coming for that. Thanks for listening to the Bombad Generals. I'm Seth, and I'm Matt. And stay Gungan. This has been the Bomb Bad Generals. Listening to Bomb Bad Generals is not scientifically proven to make you a better Legion player. Side effects may include bad dice rolls, misfigures, aim losses, bankruptcy, divorce, vomiting, and sudden death. Ask your doctor if Bomb Bad Generals is right for you.